Welcome to Inside Groove, the only motorsports show where supermodifieds are king. Methanol is aromatic and the drivers carry their balls in a bag. Inside Groove is powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Here's your host and fellow superholic, Race Chaser Media's Tom Baker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 71 of the Inside Groove Super Modified Podcast. You know who I am by now. I'm Tom Baker, and I find it just a little bit coincidental that this is episode 71 because, of course, we always on this show talk about the episode number in relation to who is driven that number in super modified history and particularly at the Oswego Speedway. And on this particular show, that episode number comes into play because one of the things we're going to do in a moment is have some conversation about uh, a driver that I grew up watching in the seventies who has recently went to be with the Lord and Sammy Carista uh, is well worth a little bit of reflection and a little bit of uh, conversation, and Sammy drove the Austin Brothers number 71 for uh, a bit. So again, the episode fits the topic. Um, and so we're going to talk about Sammy in a moment. Um, we're also going to hear from a driver that I have been waiting to see in a Super Modified for a few years now, and I know he's just been itching. To get into a super modified, Max McLaughlin is going to get that off his bucket list in 2021. He is going to run a good number of shows in the number 98 car that uh, Tyler Thompson won the classic with when we last ran one back in 2019. That still feels weird to say, but um, got the chance to sit down with Max and you're going to hear that interview had a lot of fun with this. Uh, and so we'll get to that in a moment as well. So, uh, and of course we'll have some conversation about the 71, uh, man, it is less than 30 days to, uh, the Oswego speedway season. Can't wait to see cars on the track at the Oswego speedway. Again, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get up there. Um, it may, but I'm certainly going to try. Uh, but nonetheless, it'll just be good to have racing back so we can talk about it on the show and we can have an excuse to get camden proud back from norway for a little while anyway uh so we'll get him back on the show hopefully in the next couple weeks as well um getting closer and closer to being able to reveal the things that have been keeping me from being as regular with this show as i wanted to uh, over the, the course of the last couple months, I can't wait. I promise you we're close, um, within a, within a, we might be even be able to, uh, on the next show, uh, depending, but, uh, this something is, is you're gonna, you're gonna see something pop up here in about, uh, 45 days or so. So we're, we're really excited about, uh, something that's happening, actually several things that are happening, but, uh, one in particular that I'm dying to tell you about, I just can't quite do it yet. I try to keep my opens on this show short, and we've got a huge show, a lot to talk about, so I am just going to uh, kind of leave it right there, except to say this. Thank you to Jeff West, 
and the folks from Indie Performance Composites, IPC Indie, for being a part of this show uh, and keeping us going. And thank you as well to Richworth and JNS Paving and also, of course, to Sean Cathcart, um, whose businesses have multiplied here recently uh, with LeGraff's Pub and, of course, Skip's Fish Fry. So uh, we got to get uh, Sean back on here, one of these shows, to um, talk about his new business. So uh, I'll get with him. And he's uh, closer to me than he is to most of you up in New York right now. He's in Bristol uh, watching it pour because that's about what it's doing everywhere. So anyway, we're going to step aside for a moment. When we come back, we're going to hear from Max McLaughlin. And then after that, we will come back in our uh, closing segment. We will talk about Sammy, talk about the 71 and whatever the heck else comes into my mind before we wrap up this show. We'll be back with Max McLaughlin right after this. Victory Custom Trailers is the place to go for your next new or used trailer or coach. Being personally involved in the racing community allows Victory to fully understand what racers need in a trailer. They have over 200 coaches and trailers in stock for a variety of industries, and they can serve anyone in the continental U.S. If you're looking for something custom, they can assist in designing a trailer to fit your needs. Check out their entire inventory online at victorycustomtrailers.com. Max McLaughlin joins us now. And uh, Max, it is great to have you back on the show. And boy, oh boy, I just feel like uh, you are going to be the envy of short track racers this year. You have got uh, multiple rides in multiple different divisions, in multiple different uh surfaces and uh this is going to be a fun year for you i just know it i want to talk about the most recent announcement though um because well i grew up at the oswego speedway with super modifieds and uh watched your dad grow up in racing and drive on the dirt and then come to oswego and run supers and modifieds and all of that good stuff and now uh you and i have talked for a few years now that you would love to get behind the wheel of a super dog on it in 2021 max mclaughlin is going super modified racing at oswego i want to know how this got this deal came together for you to race uh for jason simmons and spend some time in the 98 car uh splitting the season perhaps with tyler thompson yeah i mean it was pretty random really um you know i got i have so much going on and i'm you know so fortunate to to have those all these opportunities um but you know he just kind of texted me he's like hey man uh you know i i I got an opportunity to put somebody in a car and um you know you uh you came to mind would you be interested in in running and i was like heck yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) um it's a super modified there's there's not many people that i think would say no they're a pretty incredible race car and um you know i think it'll be a lot of fun for sure now, you've never sat in one, um, at least as far as to race it. So this will be the first time, and you'll be a rookie at the Oswego Speedway this year. Um, I'm curious what your dad thought when you called him or went and saw him and said, guess what, Dad? I'm driving a Super. Uh, I think the first thing he said was, oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely cool that they're, uh, you know, they're a crazy car and um, – you know, just I think I'm in like seven different race cars this year, and you know, could be more. So, um, you know, I, 
I don't I don't know if there's a, a driver in short track racing with a more diverse schedule, um, you know, than myself, which is which is pretty cool, um, you know. But he was pretty excited, it's, especially when he doesn't really you know follow it like he he once did. So, um, you know, the you know Jason Simmons is an awesome dude, and he obviously he's got great race cars, and but he didn't know, um, you know, it's you know minus the Nicotras and. You know, the big time, uh, you know, yeah. Clyde Booth and, you know, those guys. And, um, you know, he was just like, ah, you sure it's a good car? I was like, dude, they won the Classic. <laughs> well, let's no. let's uh, let's be clear. It didn't win the Classic. It obliterated the field yeah. in the Classic. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you're, you're stepping into a great car. Now, I want to know um, – I want to know when what your schedule is. Have you figured out? Because Oswego has two classics this year for the first time ever. Yeah. So are you going to be able to race in either of those? And what does your schedule look like? Have you figured it out as of yet? Yeah, I'm going to be able to make most Saturdays, I think. Um, I'm not going to be able to run the first classic, but I will be able to run the second one. Interesting. Um, yeah. So the the first one, uh, I'll be at Jennerstown with the modified tour, um, you know, and Gary Putnam 77 car. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, Gary's given me an incredible opportunity and, and we've been able to go out and, and uh, contend for wins and we've been able to win, win races and it, it's been super fun. And, um, you know, I've driven that his race car three times and we got two fourths and a win, um, you know, against the tour guys. So it's pretty incredible. And, um, you know, it just, uh, you don't see, um, you know, rides given out on asphalt like you do on dirt. You don't even see see the dirt. You know, it, it's pretty rare to, um, you know, somebody like me that, that doesn't have funding to, to yeah. be able to jump around as much as I am. It's just uh, I'm super thankful. It's really cool. And, um, you know, Gary uh, reached out and we talked about it. And um, you know, I didn't really know Gary that well. And he was like, yeah, I'll be interested in, a, you know, put you in a car. I saw your race at Thompson, the SK, and I think, you know, you do well. And, uh, we went out and ran fourth at Stafford, and we won the North-South. And um, you know, we we went to Martinsville this year, and you know, had a shot to win Martinsville. And um, you know, I, I think if we run well, and um, you know, hopefully that'll lead to something else, and and possibly uh, you know, turn into a um, you know something down the road, and and possibly get my name out to the a uh, bigger car owner in the top three series. And um, you know, I, I think we could definitely contend for couple uh wins this year on the mod tour and um you know that's uh i'm looking forward to it well i you're not that old how old are you now i'm 21 yeah so you're still very young um i know that it, it you know people hear that anymore and there's so many kids your age that are in cup or xfinity or whatever but um you've still got a ways to go and honestly I think I can speak for all the fellow short track fans out there when we say that uh, as much as we would all love to see you follow your dad into NASCAR and uh, and and have great success there, um, selfishly, a part of us just absolutely loves that you have seven car owners and none of them are in NASCAR uh, except for the modified. Uh, so yeah. we, you know, we just love seeing a good old fashioned short track dude, um, which is what you're turning into now. Let's. I want you to go through 
Um, you're, you're in a long list of cars and car owners and series because you told it, told them to me before the show, and uh, my head hurt by the time I hit record. So uh, who all are you driving for and in which series? And I will, for, for the New York portion and Northeast portion yeah. of our audience, you're going to love this because most of it's up there. Go ahead, Max. Who are you driving yeah. for and in what series? So it's uh, it's pretty busy, um, you know, Super Dirt Series up in, uh, you know, we'll start with the Modifieds, uh, big block stuff on the Super Dirt Series. I'm driving for, uh, you know, Vic Coffee and the Coffee McCready Enterprises Sweeteners Plus team. Um, and then we're moved to the Short Track Super Series, driving full-time for Norm Hansel and uh, the Norm Safe Station 357 car. And then you jump to uh, the NASCAR Modified Tour, driving for Gary Putnam in the 77 with Curb Records and Mike Curb. And then you... Uh, you know, hop into uh, Super Modified with Jason Simmons, go USAC, uh, non-wing, you know, and it's midget racing with Bundy Built and their Honda program. And, uh, you know, I got my own micro sprint I'm going to dabble with. And, uh, you know, we're, we're working out some stuff to, to even hop in another race car. So, um, and, and then, you know, we really haven't given up on our truck program, honestly. It's, uh, the guys are working really hard. I, I don't have any, any funding to, uh, you know, bring to the table to run a truck, but Mike Grichi and the Hattori guys are working really hard to put something together. And, um, you know, they're, they're not giving up on the, on the truck stuff. So hopefully something happens there and, um, you know, just do what we can to be ready, uh, when an opportunity presents itself, but definitely a a lot, a lot of racing. I guess, uh, hope the calendar in your phone works well, because, uh, you're going to need all (laughs) kinds of alarms and appointment reminders and all of that, or you're going to pull a Michael Waltrip and show up at the wrong track. Uh, (laughs) so it sounds like you're kind of prioritizing the super modified a little bit. Um, you know, just in the, the, the words that you used earlier, we'll be able to make most Saturdays. Um, is that sort of the way that it is, or is that just kind of the way it fell naturally with your... Um, you know, it's I'm trying to prioritize everything. You know, it's not like I'm prioritizing one. You know, it's uh, if I have a free day, it doesn't matter where I'm at the day before, I'm going to do my best to make it. Perfect example, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, next week... Um, I'm racing Bristol with the Super Dirt Series in the Sweeteners Plus car. Awesome. We go get done racing Saturday night. I'm driving all night to Stafford, which is 12 hours away to run the Modified Tour race. I love it. (laughs) On Sunday. Wow. Uh, Now, what happens if the race at Bristol happens to get postponed to Sunday, which is the priority at that point. Do you stay there or still go fly? Yeah. um, You know, if it does happen, I'll stay at Bristol. Um, and Gary will drive. <laughs> okay, I <laughs> got you. Yeah, that's it's one nice part of your car owner being a driver too. And, and he's he, Gary's awesome. You know, I'm so fortunate he to, is a to drive guy. for him. And there's a uh, a lot of incredible drivers to you know drive his car. Ryan Priest and um, you know, Ryan Newman. Yeah, it's a lot of incredible drivers. And for him to pick me to drive that full time, um, it's pretty cool. And you know, it's, it's pretty humbling. And um, you know, to be able to win for him, crossing the checker to the North-South shootout, he was uh, pretty pumped and came on screaming on the radio. And for those that know Gary Putnam, he doesn't do that often. You know? Yeah, that's for awesome. Him to start yelling and he says, uh, you know, his exact words, which, uh, you know, I, I won't forget for my entire career, my entire life. He said, uh, you know, this is the only second time in his car, but he said, he came on the radio, he said, you know, kid, last 
person to win this race driving my race car is now a cup driver and i know 100 percent you got the ability to do it and uh that was pretty cool to me that wow. was that was really cool and to be uh you know like coming on as one of the you know top young short track drivers and be uh you know surrounding myself as a short track racer now um you know i don't like to label myself as anything but i just want to win races you know and that's, yeah. that's all i want to do and um you know my dad is i feel like um you know helped me a lot and he's always made me win in one thing before i moved to another thing and um you know it's uh he, he's my dad's done a lot for me and, and taught me a, um, a lot about not only racing you know in the car but outside the car and um you know it's uh it's i'm just having a lot of fun doing what i'm doing right now and uh, i don't want to take it anytime soon well, uh, with about seven different cars, and it sounds like you're working on an eighth one. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe at some point it becomes, uh, you know, RC controlled planes or, you know, some other thing. I know you're a big racer, so uh, there's the sim stuff. Uh, basically, it, it doesn't even have to have a motor. As long as it takes a green and a checkered, Max will drive it, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> going to go on the lake today. Race well, there boat. you go. See, we got boats mixed in, too. Uh, you know, small hovercraft, whatever. Um, but uh, you you obviously have had a, a ton of different opportunity to drive for some great people. Um, and I know that every one of them have kind of contributed bits and pieces to you know, your knowledge base and, and uh, to, to making you the driver that you are, but obviously none more so than your dad. Um, you know, if you go back across the years, have you ever sat down with your dad and just had the conversation about, you know, kind of what you want to do and, your, and has your dad given you any specific direction or has it always been just make sure if you're going to get into something, make sure it's competitive and make sure that you yeah. can do it justice. Talk about that. Yeah, you hit it right on the head with that last one there. He's uh, he's not going to let me get in anything that's not competitive. But at the same time, I'm trying to get in everything I can because, like I said before, I, I literally have zero dollars in sponsorship to bring to the table to any race team. And this day and age, it's unheard of to, you know, uh, you know, go to a, a race team and, and just walk in and get a ride yeah. without funding. You know, it's just what it's come to. And uh, it sucks, honestly. It, it really does. It takes a lot of the talent aspect away, but uh, it is what it is, you know. And, uh, you know, you see even, you know, like John Hunter Nemechek's a perfect example right now. The kid is absolutely an incredible driver. He really uh, is. And yeah. he, he did I what agree. he had to do to, uh, you know, uh, please the sponsors. He went cup racing, learned a lot uh, in a lesser car. You know, you, you look at last year not knowing what he was going to do in the truck this year, and a lot of people looked right past him. Right now, he gets in something that he can win in. Yep, and he's probably the most talked about driver right now in NASCAR. Like, if you you're thinking about putting somebody in a Cup car, why would you look any past John Hunter Nemechek right now? You know what I mean? He just beat Kyle Busch twice. Nobody's done that in 
four years. Yeah, it's so. really it's interesting how because obviously I know I know that you understand why the the sport is how it is because yeah. you actually work on a on a lot of the cars that you drive. You don't just show yeah. up with your helmet and you know reap the benefits. You're in the garage working your butt off. Um, and and so you know back in the day, a car owner could put a driver in a car because he could go to a junkyard, buy a car, fix it up. Yeah. You know, and, and nowadays it's so expensive to race a car that, you know, somebody's got to be able to pay for that. And, and yeah. so it really somebody's is. Somebody's got to pay for it either way. You know? Yeah. And you're you're a driver who I feel like proves that there are still possibilities to bring nothing to the table except a whole bunch of talent and be able to get rides. Um, and the way that you've done that is one, I feel like by being humble and contributing value to the teams that you drive for, for working on the cars or whatever, but two, you go out and you run up front and you win. And, you know, I feel like that's, although it's more rare today and I understand, and I know you do too, why it is that way. I feel like the fact that you're able to do this kind of a schedule this year speaks volumes, not just for your ability to turn in, in the corner um, and go fast, but for who Max McLaughlin is and how your, your parents have raised you, the type of character that you are. Nobody would be wanting to offer you all of this if it wasn't for who you are or if they felt like you were just taking it all for granted and, you know, being arrogant and cocky. Yeah, no, I get that for sure, and I do appreciate that. It's, it's pretty cool to hear that. And, um, you know, I, I've worked hard. This, racing's my life. It's all I want to do. It's all I know. And, um, you know, it's uh, to be able to make a living doing it now is is awesome. You know, it's what I dreamed of as a kid. And, yeah. Um, if I never make it to the top three series, um, you know, if I, if I died tomorrow, I would have been plenty happy with what I've done. And, um, you know, I, I wouldn't trade what I have right now for the world because, you know, there's a lot of people that, um, you know, would, uh, you know, kill to have the opportunities I have. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just having so much fun doing it. And, you know, I, I like I, I probably could have got a ride this year, um, you know, gone you know, truck or Xfinity racing in a lesser car and, uh, you know, went and, and rode around mid mid pack and rode around in the yeah. back. But um, I just that's not me. I, I mean, I. uh I'm not dogging anybody. You know, you do what you got to do. An opportunity is an opportunity. But for me, when I had other opportunities to um, go back short track racing and contend for wins, uh, I want to win races. And going back to weed sport last year and winning weed sport, oh, lit man. a fire. And, you know, uh, that feeling of, of winning a that big of a, ra- of a race and on that stage, um, you know, in victory lane that night, I literally uh, – I literally said like I, I'm not I'm not going back like this is this is what I want to do and uh, you know that's what I've stuck to now and um, the last two years I've I've worked really hard at you know trying to make it on the asphalt you know with the the stock car stuff and yeah uh, I've been able to do a lot even with the ARCA race and um, I'm really honestly surprised um, that I was able to do what I did with the funding we had and um, you know just to be able to get on that that private plane and and fly to these races and, yeah um it was just a really cool experience for me and, and if i never get to do it again um it is what it is you know but um you know i'm just gonna keep doing my thing and and going and trying to win races and winning races and 
um, you know, hopefully the opportunity will present itself again, but it's, uh, you know, it's pretty cool to, you know, hear that I'm kind of the staple of, you know, work hard, prove that you can do it and you'll get rise. And, um, you know, I, I hope that I can, uh, you know, be that, that set stone to the young drivers coming up to, uh, you know, prove that you don't need the money to get, um, you know, rides and make a living in the sport. Um, you know, I hope I can keep that alive. Yeah, that's, uh, it, I mean, again, work hard at your craft and that's what you've done. And don't, don't be afraid to get your hands dirty, literally, because again, that's what you've done. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot to that. And I think the fans resonate with, uh, the fact that they know that, that you're, you know, you're in the grind with the teams that you drive for, um, and the ones that you're not in the shop with you give everything you've got anytime you go to the race and that's you're kind of a throwback in that sense to an era that i think a lot of people my age still wish we could keep going in the sport uh, but of course you know technology has driven up cost etc so um but i but i i want to ask you now i want to throw nascar out in this question because i think it's a given that if you could go and you know work your way to cup and you know you yeah. would do that right so throw nascar completely out of this i want you to tell me what is the one bucket list race and, and don't don't give me anything you're doing this year. What is the one bucket list race that you would love to be able to compete in at some point during your career that you haven't yet done? Knoxville national. Really? hundred percent. Wow. hundred yeah. percent. I'm a, a huge sprint car fan. I love sprint cars and, uh, it's something I really haven't done. I've only drove one one time and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to put something together this year. Uh, but, you know, just like anything, you know, my big break was Al Hankey. Yes. The Mohawk Northeast, the Hankey Baldwin Racing. And that's ultimately what has gotten me all these rides because you have to find that first break to prove yourself because nobody's going to put an unproven driver in their car because you have nothing to show. You know, you go to yeah. somebody and say, hey, I can win in your big block. You never go one, you know. It's like you got to go do it. You have to figure out how to put yourself in position that first time to prove yourself. And then you have something to show, you know? Right. But in my case, you know, like I said, I don't have whatever funding to take to a sprint car team and say, Hey, I got this. Let's go racing. Uh, I got to find that rare deal to have somebody believe in me, go through that little bit of learning curve to where, uh, you know, it, there's always going to be a learning curve in a new car. You know, you ain't going to just jump in. Right. You hope you, you can. And, um, but you know, I got to get somebody to put me to that learning curve, get into the sprint car world before I can go and, uh, run a, a top sprint car. And, um, that's definitely something that I want to do for sure. Well, um, I have no doubt whatsoever that if you ever get the chance to do it and get some time to, uh, learn the ins and outs of racing a sprint car, you'll go give it heck and, uh, go race for wins. I know because you've got your, your dad's talent and you've got his humility and his personality as well. And, and, uh, definitely excited to see you in the super modify. What are, what is a, what, are, what is your goal for rate for the super this year? I mean, I know you're going to tell me that I don't get in anything without, you know, wanting to go with in the race but i mean what's a reasonable goal for you uh racing the 98 super modified at the oswego speedway this year a reasonable goal is to win i don't i'm not gonna go somewhere to run second you know that's uh i want to go win races and there's no reason we can't go win races in that car 
Well, that's for sure. I know that yeah. uh, the fans uh, at, at Oswego, because I've talked to several of them over the last few days, the fans at the Oswego Speedway are just drooling for opening day. And, uh, you know, and, and obviously just to get back to the track, but knowing that Max McLaughlin is coming and going to run some shows, your dad was uh, was and still is much loved up there, both on the dirt and the pavement uh, and uh, so to be able to now sort of, this is about the only thing up there. I think that your dad drove, um, that you hadn't drove was the super bonafide. Yeah. And so this year you are going to complete that trifecta, if you will, the dirt mods, the modifieds and, and the supers. So, uh, you gotta be just pumped as heck. Yeah, no, I'm excited for sure. And, um, you know, I'm excited for all the opportunities I got, man. And, um, but I've always wanted to drive a super and, when the opportunity presented itself, I was, uh, I jumped on it. You know, I was, it was oh, there I was no hesitation. I was like, yes, I don't, I didn't even look at my schedule. I said, yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll do it. We'll figure the, the logistics out later. Uh, yeah, just, right. just say yes. Uh, okay. I know that you've got a list of people you want to thank. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to be really just sitting back here going, let's see if he can get all this right. He's got so many people. <laughs> so, uh, fire away, Max. Yeah. I mean, uh, first of all, my dad, you know, he's, uh, risked uh, everything for me and you know believed in me to uh, make it where we're at and he travels with me all the time so uh you know i can't thank him enough and uh sweeteners plus uh curb records gary putnam big coffee uh norm you know with uh the 357 car and um you know we got a lot of awesome sponsors nos energy drink we uh you know move into the the usac stuff with bundy and bundy built and he's doing an incredible job with the honda engines and um you know just uh Mike Ricci, Hattori Racing, doing everything they can to, you know, put me in a, a ride this year. And, um, you know, Jason Simmons with the Super, really excited to, to go to Oswego and, and race the Super this year. And, um, you know, just uh, everybody that's, that's made it possible to go out and win races, and uh, I'm super excited. Well, Max, it's uh, been, as always, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, how can the fans keep up with you on good old social media? Yeah, I'm on Instagram, uh, Twitter. I don't do the best job <laughs> updating <laughs> it, but, um, you know, I'm working hard at, at uh, trying to better the, the social media platform. But my uh, Facebook page, Max McLaughlin Racing, we post a lot on the Facebook. So that's definitely, uh, you know, the main spot to check it out. Okay. Uh, and, uh, Max, we look forward to seeing what you can do behind the most exotic uh, race car on the planet, the Super Modified, and all of the rest of your racing as well. Best of luck. Stay safe and uh, look forward to having you back real soon. I'm sure we'll be talking to you often because I know you're going to win a bunch. Cool. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. That was Max McLaughlin, and hope you enjoyed that. I really, uh, Max is certainly his father's son. There is no question about that. Uh, he is, he has the same personality that Mike had, um, a little more outgoing, I think. Uh, Mike can be kind of, uh, sort of laid back. Not really, I, well, I guess he probably is shy, but, uh, you know, Max is certainly, he has all the tools and he has all the, um, requisite, um, you know, raw materials to make a successful run in NASCAR or wherever else he wanted to go, really. And I know we like to do that, but I think as you heard from the interview I just did, you know, he's really happy to be able to um, race on the short tracks and make a living and, and again, proving that you don't need money. 
it helps, <laughs> but you don't need money. You just have to have persistence. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. And you got to be able to, when you get in a car, you got to be able to go make it work and go win races. And that's what Max has done. Um, so he is uh, really kind of bucking the trend. And that's why, you know, um, I, I told somebody the other day, I said, if there's a nickname or a hashtag, it's throwback Max. And that uh, that for me is certainly a big um, a, a big thing to to see him doing. And, and again, to not only just to be able to have the opportunity to go do all the short track stuff, but to be able to literally follow in Mike's footsteps. Um, so, you know, we're uh, we're going to try to get Mike on a future inside groove here working on that now. So. Um, that should be hopefully coming up soon. If I can get him to stand still long enough to talk to me, that's a, <laughs> it's a hard part for Mike is he very rarely, um, he told me, so I, I very rarely talk on the phone. Um, but we're going to try our best to get him to do that. Um, he and I did talk last, uh, fall at, uh, the North South shootout race, that uh, Max won and Mike gave me his phone number and said, you know, give me a call. Um, and things just got going and I haven't, uh, haven't had a chance to, to dial him up yet, but we're going to do that as soon as we can here and get, uh, get Mike hopefully to do a groove show with us. Um, okay. So with that, um, for, well, actually before I transition here, um, I want to just throw out there, that, you know, it's honestly, it's sort of strange. Uh, you know, I'm happy for Max to be in the 98 and thankful that Jason Simmons reached out to him and gave him the opportunity. Um, I, I just sort of uh, wonder where Tyler Thompson is at this point and what his future is and whether he's... Um, decided to step back and uh, either cut back on his racing or just, you know, he, he's kind of done with it and moving on to other things. Um, that would be a shame for the talent that the young man has, but uh, not everybody is going to be a career racer. So um, sometimes, uh, you know, other things in life become priorities. So uh, happy to have Max in the 98, but certainly, uh, wishing Tyler Thompson well. I know that uh, he had the leg injury and and uh, that may be playing some sort of a role, especially the early part of this. But, um, you know, again, uh, we'll look forward to seeing uh, Tyler back in the car, at least uh, for part of the season as well, or maybe eventually. Uh, maybe there's two cars again. That would certainly be cool. So I guess we'll have to see how that develops. But uh, certainly looking forward to seeing Tyler back out on the track as well. Okay. Let's uh talk a little bit about a gentleman who I grew up watching. Uh, this episode is going to be dedicated to the memory of Sammy Carista. I started going to the track in 1973 and at that time Sammy was running the Purple People Eater, as I think it was Roy that used to, uh, Roy Silva that tagged it that. Um, or at least I think it was Roy I first heard say it. It might have been Jack Burgess. But at any rate, uh, the Purple People Eater, number 30, 
Um, and it was, uh, I think it was, it may have been, it, I, I believe it was a Dick Dummigan car, built car. And I think it may have been the old, the, the car that Corky Stockham had, I think. I'm not sure about that. But I believe that might have he might have bought that from Corky because I think Corky had an old Dummigan car. I'm, again, I'm I'm fuzzy because that was just before I started going. So of course, you know, um, I'm just trying to recollect from uh, reading or hearing people talk. But I'm pretty sure that's how it was. And Sammy did pretty well with the car. Had a few good runs with it, and and um, it was always I always loved that color purple that he had, and I. I love the old bubble goggle helmet, bubble helmet that he had too. That was always uh, a favorite of mine. There were a couple of those bubble helmets that uh, were th- th- that drivers had um, over the years, and Sammy was, I think, the first one I remember having. And I used to have a um, a, a toy one like that, and I I have a picture of myself. I think I was on a big wheel on my big wheel wearing the bubble bubble helmet. <laughs> Uh, funny to to think back to that, but um, Sammy was uh, Sammy was always a good shoe, and he was always a nice guy. I remember when I when I would go into the pits, which was basically every week, to get autographs after the races on my program. Um, Sammy was always very nice to me, and I just remember him being a nice man, and he. In in 1974, when he started with uh, John Corb in the 37 car, that's when I feel like he really started to kind of show glimpses of what he could do when the equipment was right. He had a top five or two and, and several top tens with that car. He was always a, a tough pass. Um, and so I went, I actually found uh i i wanted to try to get ed on the show and uh went through several different avenues to reach out to him but um just haven't been able to do so and perhaps at uh, some date in the future uh if if anyone knows ed and can reach ed and if ed would be willing to uh, come on the show and talk about his dad and talk about his own career too um, I would love to do that, but, um, in lieu of that and in lieu of really anybody I wanted, um, I know there are obviously a whole ton of people who kind of got to know Sammy in his second uh, chapter of his career when he went back to the dirt at Burton and started running four cylinders and, um, and, and his family was, was running with him, which I, I think is the coolest thing ever. Uh, what a way to finish a career and, 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 and what a way to literally take your victory laps, so to speak, final laps of the race car racing with his family, uh, on the dirt at Brewerton. Um, just the coolest thing ever, but back in, in, uh, 74, Sammy was on the cover of the Eagle back when I used to, uh, harass Fran Carson at Carson's news every week on the phone about who was on the cover. And he would always tell me, and then one day he said, I couldn't tell you. And I'm like, okay, even as young as I was, there was something about his tone that just said, I'm busy kid. Go away. Uh, So, um, 
but he would always tell me who it was. Um, this was volume 11, number six. Sammy was on the cover, posed with the uh, 37, which was always a, a favorite car of mine just because of its shape and that um, really cool uh, orangish color. It so happened that um, the, the, the race that this program reflects upon was the week before, and Sammy finished 10th. Jimmy Champagne won. There's a surprise. Um, Bobby Stelder was second. Norm Mack was third. Uh, Nolan Swift fourth. Brian Osgood finished in fifth with the old Buck Buckley car. Mark Letcher finished sixth. And we're going to get, I, I got a quote about him in a minute. We'll get to that in the same program. I, I can't resist sharing it. It's so funny. Eddie Bellinger seventh. Kenny Anders eighth. Johnny Spencer was ninth. And Sammy Carista finished in tenth. Um, and just for those of you who would say, why don't you give the rest of the finish? Okay, happy to do so. 11, Chuck Siprich in the 21. 12th was Armin Holly driving the 93. Scotty Wilson, 13th in the 43. Gary Reichert finished in 15th in the 78. That was, uh, that night was the older 78. They had had uh, a crash with the newer car, I think. And um, we're going to bring it back. It would have been the week this program came out, uh, but minus the blower. They were going um, They were going to get rid of the blower on the car. Ray Sand in the 71, Doug Sire in the 72, Daryl Peckham in the 44, Joe Paino in the 06. I think that was his rookie year, <clears throat> excuse me, in 74. Jim Gray in the 31, uh, Guy Chartrand, Guy Chartrand in the 69, Warren Conium in the 04, Ronnie Wallace in the Shamrock 13. Oh, I always loved the 13 because my family has an Irish background and I always loved obviously the shamrock green on the car. And, um, but man, I hated seeing Ronnie in it because I just knew it wasn't good enough for him. Um, it just wasn't fast. It, it, it was a beautiful car. Just wasn't fast. I, I don't mean anything negative by that. Just saying it, it, I just always felt Ronnie was better than the car and he showed it the next year. Um, kept the dates in the 28 and Freddie Graves, in the 38 rounding out the field. And for those of you who just want to be stat hounds, Letcher, Stelter, and Champagne won the heats. Dates and Champagne won the semi uh, semi races, and uh, Brian Osgood won the Concy. Okay, so I'll get to the uh, there was a <laughs> there was a quote about Letcher in the program, and I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but I want to stay on the tribute to Sammy, and because in this program, and I. Somehow I hadn't, uh, I don't know, I might have, uh, when I, I always read through these when I get them. I've been accumulating, thanks to a number of you who have been generous, uh, I've been accumulating some of the older 70s programs again. And um, somehow I, I think I missed or at least didn't realize the significance, but Sammy was on the cover, but meet new driver Ed Carista. So there was, they used this program to actually kind of, uh, talk about Ed a little bit too, and I thought that it would be fun to just uh, read a little bit of this from the program. Um, it says, there's a picture of Ed with the bubble helmet <laughs> uh, and the beautiful purple 30, and it says, over the years, we've seen a few offspring of former drivers trying their hand at racing here at the Oswego Speedway. We've seen the Jarretts, the Ballingers, the Leonards, just to name a few. However, 
The history books recently had a new chapter written when the Oswego Speedway fans witnessed the first generation race driver competing against the second generation racing driver on the same track at the same time. And I guess that would be the first time that happened, which I did not know until this very moment that I'm reading it. And how cool is that? Uh, we're doing a tribute. How cool is it that the Caristas would be the first father and son? Uh, that's that's awesome. That is really cool. Um, such is the case, it says, with one of auto racing's most loyal families, the Caristas. Young Egg Carista took to the super fast speedway on May 5th for our 1974 opener. And he was watched so very closely through the experienced eyes of his father, Sammy Carista, one of racing's established veteran pilots. This by no means was Ed's first association with racing. He followed his father's racing career since the start and always took an active interest in his racing. When he grew older, he started helping his dad with the mechanical duties that are so necessary in the sport. It was through these years that he knew that someday he would like to give racing a try. And also, at the same time, Ed was learning the ins and outs of racing, picking up that valuable knowledge and experience. When Sammy picked up the ride in the John Corb Roadster late in the 73 season, okay, so I guess he started driving it toward the end of 73, he parked his own car 30, the aforementioned Dummigan car, I believe, <laughs> that uh, I, I referenced a few minutes ago, on the sidelines. This was just the break that I needed. With his father well set in the Corb Roadster, Ed received permission to run the number 30. As mentioned, he was here on opening day and has run every week since that time. His progress has been good as he's looked steadier and steadier in each meet. When asked if he could change positions with any driver in the world, Ed stated, my father, because he knows just about as much as most of them. And let's not forget mother, Doris, Sammy's wife. She has always been a faithful follower of auto racing, and she thinks it's just great that both Ed and Sammy are running. She finds problems keeping track of both of them if they're in the same race and admits to be a bit more nervous and concerned, but in the same aspect, she finds the races more exciting as well. Young Ed Carista has a long road ahead of him, but has the determination and devotion very similar to that of his father. We'd like to wish the 22-year-old rookie the finest possible results in the upcoming season and hopefully a future filled with many rewards. And, uh, I don't remember exactly how long Ed raced, but I do remember that um, obviously Sammy built after a while with Corb, Sammy built uh, a, a new car that was supposed to be kind of a copy of the 37. And again, I hadn't thought about that back then or hadn't really known that. But when I look at pictures of the two cars, if you look at the profile, the 37 had had slightly more of kind of a wedge pitch to it um, than the 30. But the roll cages and and the overall design of the car were actually pretty similar. So uh, I want to now... Um, and Ed ended up uh, driving that. He was the last one to race that. Um, and so uh, I want to talk uh, or want to read a little bit. This is from the interview at the back of the program with Sammy. Uh, 
He was 43 at the time in 1974. And, you know, this will be an interesting way of both kind of hearing from Sammy and being able to talk a little bit about Sammy, but also giving some background on Sammy for those in our audience who really didn't know much about him uh, because obviously they, you know, hadn't been racing or, you know, around the track, you know, in that way for a number of years. So uh, 43 years old, his birthday was September 22nd. Doris was his wife's name. They had nine children, so we know what they were busy doing in the offseason. The children were Ed, Mike, Cindy, Diane, Billy, Sharon, Wendy, Glenn, and Dory. Um, They had nine children. And um, he was living in West Monroe at the time, heavy equipment operator. Favorite TV show was any Western. Favorite color was purple. Favorite drink was seven and seven. Uh, Favorite music was country and Western, especially Donna Fargo and Roy Clark. I love me some Roy Clark. That, That man could play guitar and fiddle and banjo and just about any other stringed instrument extremely well. Favorite food was steak. We won't tell you what his favorite Speedway was. You can figure that out. Car number was 37. John Corb owned it, 425 Buick. So um, a little background. Prior to running the Supermodifieds, you had a very successful career running at the local dirt ovals. Could you briefly recall some of the highlights? So here's a little bit about Sammy, as told by Sammy. I started racing at the Weed Sports Speedway in 1959, and the following year I received the Sportsmanship Award at that track. I won quite a few races there, as well as at several other tracks in the area. I ran the Brewerton Speedway in 1966 and right up through uh, for several years and won many championships. I won three 200-lap classics in a row there. Very successful. I was second in the point standings three times while running at Brewerton, and once I was the high point man, which would have been the champion. At Fulton Raceway, I also took the championship one year, and that's about it as far as racing before the super modified so then the question was why did you move up to a swigos super modified class were you influenced by any certain individuals his answer well not really i totaled my own flathead division car running against the sportsman at weedsport and when i got out of the hospital Bill Marsh asked me to drive his super modified and i went racing i really liked the open cockpit and stayed with it Next question, what is your honest opinion of the supermodified class and what future do you think it has? His answer, well, I think it has a great future and I like this class of driving. I like the rules that they have and the way things are managed are decent, especially at Oswego. I just like the open cockpit and hope they will stay strictly supermodified. Next question, you currently pilot the 37 Roadster owned by John Corb. What preparations did you make to ready the car for racing in 1974 his answer oh we went right straight through the whole car and we made quite a few changes since i've driven the car this year about the only major changes we made were to the torsion bars if i can ever get the left front wheel to stay on the ground which makes me push in the corner i think it'll be a top competitive car question are you satisfied with your progress so far this season answer not really i figured the car should be running in the first five places but it isn't The car just isn't handling right. I'm not afraid of anything when I'm racing as far as getting in an accident because I've been in lots of them. I've had many, I've had my back broken racing and it doesn't bother me. However, I don't want to take the car out there and have it pushing and pushing and then take somebody else out of the race. 
Being an owner and driver, I know too well how much it takes to build them and repair them. Question, if you could start your car all over again, start your career all over again, that is, would you do anything differently? Answer, yes, I would have started a lot sooner in Oswego with the Super Modifieds. I really like the Super Modifieds. Question, joining you in the competitive ranks at Oswego this year is your son, Ed. What are your thoughts on his racing as he embarks on his new career? Answer, I think he's going to make a good driver. He's improved each week he's been down there, and that car isn't the best handling car around. I really think he's going to make a good driver. Question, what does the future hold in store for Sammy Carista? Answer, it's hard to say. I'm 43 years old right now, and I think I'll still be driving for a long time to come, and (laughs) I think he drove for another almost 50 years. (laughs) incredible what an incredible career that man had um and again the family aspect with the caristas is what stands out to me in the fact that this is a family that just loved racing so passionate about racing when they felt like they couldn't compete the way they wanted to at oswego anymore right back to the dirt and back you know how he started uh, and and toward the end of the career, still competitive in the four-cylinder class with so many family around him and on the track with him and still influencing younger drivers and still um, just what an incredible story to me Sammy Carista is. Um, I don't really know exactly how to describe his career except to say that that man just never stopped having a good time on the track. He never got tired of it. And it just seemed like he, he was, uh, he was a happy man right to the end as far as the racing part anyway. And uh, man, I, I just don't know too many guys that are, that were still racing in their nineties. It's pretty incredible. Um, but uh, Sammy was awesome. And, and uh Really, really enjoyed watching him. That era in which he competed at Oswego was magic. It just was absolutely magic. And, you know, the names, the cars, the innovation, the, um, gosh, the uniqueness. Um, it it just, uh, the, the fans, that was a magic time in our sport. It was um, it was very much super modifieds were open competition back then. You never knew it was going to show up. Um, and uh, again, it was great to have been able to watch Sammy in what I consider to be his best, probably his best couple of years at Oswego with a 37 car. And then, you know, watch him in his, in his 30, uh, the last couple of years that he raced that car before Ed took over. Um you know, they never had big money. They never had the kind of dollars that they needed to kind of keep progressing with the class. And so um, I don't recall hearing a lot of complaints. They just simply went to Brewerton and raced four cylinders and had a darn good time doing it. And man, that is, don't we all wish that, um, you know, we could uh, you know, we could ha- have that much fun doing what we love almost right up until the time the Lord calls us home. So uh, we're going to miss Sammy Carista, and um, we're going to uh, remember him. I will never forget Sammy, never forget uh, the fun that he had, never forget the example that he set. And um, the Carista family will always be 
in my heart as one of the first families of Central New York Motorsports from way, way back. And I hope that the family continues to race. And I know that um, Sam and his family, such a, a, a big part of so many people's lives. Uh, you know, I, uh, I just can't, um, I can't say enough how, how that family tie that, that sort of closeness that they had and how much they all enjoyed racing. Just obviously they wanted to win, but it was, you know, it was a sport and a good time for them. And so, um, just, uh, very grateful to have known Sammy a little bit and to have, um, had the opportunity to watch him run. So um, prayers and, and uh, condolences to his family. Uh, and again, we, uh, we, we extend an open invitation to Ed. If, uh, if he will at some point in the future, if he will, uh, w- would be interested in, in talking with me on a show, I would absolutely be honored to put Ed Carista on and let you all hear from him and uh, hear about uh, the Carista family racing uh uh, from, from his point of view. So, um, that, that invitation is open. Sammy, of course, was one of the drivers, uh, in the Austin brothers 71 over the years. It had, um, I feel like it had more drivers than I remember. Cause it seems to me like there were a, at least a couple of drivers that were, I don't want to say necessarily just one off, but shorter span in the car, um, in its sort of beginnings, um, Sammy, I think was, I think maybe was that late sixties or very early seventies, perhaps in that car. I want to say Bruno Marchison maybe was in it a bit. I know Bob Stelter drove it. Um, that might've been 71 or 72 somewhere in there. Um, and then of course, by the time I started going in 73, Ray Sand was in the car and Ray, I think was the last driver that that was in the Austin brothers car when they owned it um Jimmy Winks and uh, I think Lenny Pirro were the two that bought it for Jimmy to race and maybe 75 perhaps and I I I heard somewhere and I've always kind of wondered why you know when I was again you're you're a little kid you don't know the inside story to anything back then unless it's in the eagle and I I think I heard somewhere along the way over the years that Jimmy bought that because he was, he was trying to basically simulate the little deuce and, um, and it, he, he won a lot of heats, a lot of, uh, preliminary events, never won a feature with the car, but, um, always loved the 22 uh, one when he drove it. And then, uh, Don Whelan bought it, sold it to Tony Naraki, who then I think, ended up trading it to Dick Batchelder for Batch's sprint car that Batch won so many races with. And I don't know that Dick ever raced the car himself. I thought I heard somewhere that he put, and I never, forgive me if I butcher this gentleman's last name because I I never did know how to say it right, but um, Babe Branscombe, maybe? Um, Branscombe, Branscombe? I think I saw somewhere, somewhere along the way that he had put Babe in it for for some races or whatever, but I don't know whatever happened to the car. Uh, But um, the 71 was, of course, Sand, when he left the Austin Brothers, or or when they saw, I don't know if they just decided to get out, so Ray left, or if 
where he left and then they decided to get out. I'm not sure kind of how all that uh, took place, but Ray bought the old Buckner 36, ran that for a few years. And then, of course, uh, hooked up with Ed McAuliffe a little later on, and they built a couple of upright supers, upright offset type supers that I just thought were two of the coolest cars that ever set set uh, foot, so to speak, on uh, the fast five eighths of a mile. And boy, they had the last one running pretty darn good. I think he had a top five with it, and they were getting it around pretty good. And and um, man, just uh, so much bad luck crashing, you know, being involved in crashes, you know, that he didn't cause. Um, one in the classic, I remember that was a pretty spectacular, or as Daryl Waltrip would say, horrendous crash. Um, and so the, but he carried the 71 number right up until the time that he hooked up with Ed McAuliffe. And then they were 18 because that was Ed's number when Jimmy Thompson drove for him. And I think the next 71 was Steve Radley. And Radley ran um, a few seasons at Oswego, had a number of different cars, still has a couple of cars. From what I understand, he has the old Kapazinski car that he bought that um, Mike Kapazinski built. And I know that Danny Kay has been trying to get that car back. He's been trying to talk Steve out of that car for a few years now, and I don't know why Steve won't give it up, but obviously he has his reasons, and um, that's too bad because I would love to see Danny be able to get that car and and uh, and and put it back on the track in, in honor of his dad. I thought that was one of the most beautiful capper cars that was ever built, um, and I love the design, but I also love the paint. It was a gorgeous gorgeous paint job on that car and Mike had some beauties um in his day just some beautiful cars he was an amazing painter and um actually uh I don't know if a lot of people know this but he used to actually he was left-handed he would basically paint almost paint backwards like the opposite of the way almost um you know you had your wax on and your wax off. He would do the, you know, the, the, the wax off, I guess, or however, I'm not sure which way that went in the karate kid, but, um, you know, it was kind of, um, it was kind of backwards from how most people would, would paint because he was left-handed and, you know, man, he was just incredible. Um, you know, and so, uh, Radley had the 71 and, Man, I start getting fuzzy as we get closer to current because there were obviously a number of years that I um, I kept track of a swiggo, but I wasn't there every week. Um, and so there were obviously a number of guys who would come in from Ohio um, and drive as the 71 uh, or, you know, in from other places and would run as the 71. I remember Bentley doing it one year in the classic with, uh, I think it was Dave Mays car. Um, the old Matzik car, I think he had 71 on that. I think he won the B-Main that year, if I remember right, with that car. Um, and gosh, I know, uh, I mean, there's, it, I guess I'll leave it to those of you out there who are listening to fill in the gaps because, uh, you know, obviously, um, I'm sure there were a number of them. That was, um, somebody would come in as 11 and put a, you know, little thing, little 
make the the first one into a seven, um, that kind of thing. So there were probably a bunch um, that uh, that that you all can fill in. But um, I think the the first one I remember was Sand, and I don't remember any others in his time anyway, and it, where even they would have had to change their number. Um, but I again, I know there were some times that some cars came in from other places to run classic or other events, and and had that number and probably um, a, a good bunch of them. So um, y'all could have fun with that. But um, it was, I, I think it was appropriate that um, we were on episode seventy one when we uh, had the occasion, sad though it was, to. Uh, to hear the news, to uh, to do the tribute to Sammy. It was it was kind of fitting that it worked out that way. Um, a Swigo opener coming up soon, man. And boy, do we have some car count. We've got major car count in the uh, SBS division. We've got good car count, much improved car count in the 350 division. Um, not sure what we're going to see for the big block supers. I would imagine probably over 20, I'm guessing. Um I know that it's going to be somewhat impacted, obviously, by the fact that the Canadian border is still closed. And um, much as I hate saying this, I don't think it's going to be anytime soon that that's going to change. So um, we certainly wish all of our Canadian friends uh, well and uh, look forward to seeing them as soon as they can make it and uh, participate. I know that... um, Dave McKnight and the Morton 70, I think, are about ready to go. And uh new driver in the big block, going to be a rookie. I can't remember the gentleman's name. I should have uh, uh, sent word to Camden Proud to remind me before I started this show. But um, that would be the older of the two Tyler Thompson cars that was raffled off and won by Tom Salvador who we all wanted to see. We all wanted to see Tom put the helmet on and race it. We were dying to see Tom do that. And he sold it. So um, no Tom Salvador at uh, Oswego as a rookie. Um, But uh, we will see a gentleman out of Canada as soon as uh, he's able to get across the border and do some racing. Uh, So that car will be in competition as soon as uh, that happens. And that'll be a good thing. Um, Rookies, I think, in all three divisions this year, and certainly a great season ahead. The 70th season at Oswego Speedway, I think the most intense and ambitious and unique schedule in the history of the Speedway. Two classics, as all of you know by now, um, and a bunch of other really, really big specials that we'll be talking more about as uh, we get closer and closer to opening day and can get... uh, Camden back involved a little bit. I know he's going to be raring to go in the 54. And uh, it should be a lot of fun to, uh, to to see what happens when the gates swing open here uh, for practice and then eventually for a green flag. Just thankful that we're back at a place again where we can all, uh, I think, say that um, we're going to have a big season of racing at the Oswego Speedway. How cool is that? Okay, with that, I once again will quickly thank the folks from IPC Indy, Jeff West and his staff, Rich Worth and his group from JNS Paving, and, of course, uh, Sean Cathcart 
and his staff from Skip's Fish Fry and LaGraff's Pub. Go to LaGraff's, go to Skip's, support the businesses that are supporting racing. Please, please, please. Uh, if you need a paved job, call JNS. Um, and if you need anything to do with um, fabrication, engineering, call Jeff West. They are awesome at what they do. They've got their uh, hands in just about every kind of racing imaginable, but it goes way beyond that. So if you need anything like that, um, just uh, give the folks a call and go check out their website at ipcindy.com and see all of the cool things that they are doing. And looking forward, I saw a wing with a 72 on it, and it was a post directly from Greg Furlong. So I am looking forward to this finally being the year when we see Greg Furlong and the Jeff West team uh, come out together and go racing. Uh, Of course, Jeff had the car a couple times last year um, before, uh, you know, before everything kind of went down. Um, Bobby Santos in the car. But um, I know that there there are a number of people who would like to be in the one. I don't know what Jeff's plans are. And again, we're going to try and catch up to him. He is just so busy. It's hard. Again, it's hard to get him just to stop to sit down to to spend um, 15 or 20 minutes with us, but uh, we're going to work on that and try and get Westy to update us on what's going on with his deal for uh, 2021 as well. That's it for this week's show. Again, all the best to uh, Sammy Carista and my continued prayers as well uh, every day for Terry Strong. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're thinking about you, Terry, and, uh, happy to, <laughs> happy to hear you mowed your lawn without incident. Uh, that's a good thing. So, um, hang in there, Terry and, uh, Terry's family as well. We, we hope that all of you are, um, are safe and, and well. So our prayers out to anyone in the racing family who is, uh, not, not, uh, feeling well. Um, we wish you all the best and be safe, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you very soon. We'll talk to you on the next Inside Groove. Until then, I'm Tom Baker. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Inside Groove, powered by IPC Indy, creating performance parts and solutions for the automotive, aerospace, and communications industries. Find them on the web at www.ipcindy.com. Inside Groove is a Race Chaser Media production. For more exciting and passionate motorsport content, follow Race Chaser Media on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, and visit RaceChaserMedia.com. The opinions expressed by our guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, affiliates, or marketing partners of Race Chaser Media. No part of this show may be reproduced in any manner without the expressed written